Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Welcome to Freedom of Species, the animal advocacy show on 3CR. You just heard Out of the Pan with Sally Goldner. You can tune into Sally's show every Sunday at 12pm on 3CR. Uh, it's Claire here today and I want to acknowledge that I'm coming to you from Jaja Run country in central Victoria. I want to pay respects to elders past and present and extend that respect to the First Nations people on whose lands you're listening in from today. So today I'm joined by long-term socialist activist, uh, Daniel Dadich. And Daniel, I'm going to talk over to you to introduce yourself. Cool. I'll acknowledge uh, the traditional owners of the land on which I'm calling in from today as well, the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I'll pay my respects to the elders past, present, and emerging leaders as well. My name's Daniel, long-term activist. I work in the community sector. I work with newly arrived migrants, refugees. I did like a master's in social work, so I've been kind of working in that space for about 10 years now. And the union delegate for the Australian Services Union in my workplace as well. And yeah, I've been a socialist and an activist since 2007. I kind of got involved. So what's that? 16 years, I think. Yeah. Damn. And for fun, I am, you know, when I get a bit of downtime to relax, I listen to hip hop, watch anime and train in Muay Thai for fun. Can I ask, uh, just out of curiosity, in 2007, what was kind of the impetus for you getting active and involved in socialist politics? There was a bit of a lead up, I think, um, getting my mind kind of at the spot where I was prepared to join an organisation. But in 2007, I think um, there was a whole bunch of things in the news about refugees and asylum seekers particularly. the Iraq war and the day that I kind of met the socialist club at university campus was when Amanda Vanstone, who was the immigration minister at the time, had just resigned. I remember being like really overjoyed because she'd been in the news in the lead up, just doing like horrible thing and just after horrible thing. And um, that was like the first thing I said when I met the socialist on campus being like, thank goodness she's out. Yeah, it's interesting you say the Iraq war because the Iraq war was like a big thing that I got active around, but I'm talking about like, you know, showing my age here, like the Iraq war in the 1990s. So it just goes to show like how long American imperialism has been pounding that particular part of the globe. All right, I'm going to start with how we usually start on this show and just ask you about your vegan journey. So... How long have you been a vegan and any particular reasons you became vegan? So showing my age as well, back in 1992, I don't know if you remember this documentary, there was something called Baraka. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that, yeah. My parents took me to see that and my little brother in the cinemas and there was a scene in it, I remember it like so vividly, it was just like chickens on a conveyor belt being like yeah. handled so badly. And then, you know, a shot of, like, the caged hens and everything. And honestly, I, don't, I think the scene could have gone for, like, five seconds, but it felt like an eternity in my eight-year-old mind at the time. And I, like, ran out of the cinema. My parents had to, like, come follow me and reassess whether we we're going to sit in the rest of the movie or not. Yeah. But, yeah, since, like, that early age, I was um, really, like, disturbed about how animals were treated. But having been born with, like a billion allergies, including dairy and egg, it never kind of entered my mind that it was possible to be vegetarian, not being able to eat dairy and egg. And vegan wasn't really a thing that I was aware of uh, until much later on in life. So 
yeah, I'd kind of always been conscious about it, but it wasn't until 2017 I went over to India for a cousin of mine's wedding, and it was like a full Hindu wedding. It was like a four-day, three-day thing and fully catered. It was all vegan. And I remember my uncle was telling me like, you know, he's from Malaysia. He was saying like, just be vegan in uh, India. Like the food here is awesome. And, you know, some of the meat here is not that really good to trust anyway. So I did that for like a week, two weeks and felt really good. There was like all these concerns about, you know, would I still be fit? Would I still be able to do Muay Thai and everything like that? But um, came back and just continued on in 2018. So it's been about five and a half years now of being vegan. And, you know, when you first tell people, everyone's just like, you got to be so unhealthy. You won't be able to train, blah, blah, blah. And then yeah, I'd be doing blood tests every year. They always come back really good, really good iron, B12, everything like that. Still can train like normal, no issues. So, yeah, it's been good. But I need to make a confession, which hopefully won't get me kicked off the radio show, which is I still eat meat whenever I go overseas. So maybe once oh, once a year or once every two years, something like that, I'll go for a trip overseas. And that's mainly just because I think going overseas, I want to experience like cultures and food is a big part of culture. So um, I will eat meat when I go overseas and under no illusion that animals are treated any better overseas than in Australia. It's just, yeah, one of those things that um, I want to experience, I think. Mm-hmm. Also, um, like I went to Croatia. The idea of vegetables over there is just like raw chopped onion. So it's like impossible, at least in the places that I went to to even find like a vegetarian meal. I lived in um, Eastern Europe in Slovakia in, oh, like the early 2000s and a friend of mine was vegetarian there and yeah and literally just lived on fried cheese was the only option and and once we went to a restaurant and they had this thing called the bowl of health and so she was really excited like I'm actually going to get some vegetables here and it was (laughs) it was non-fried cheese it was literally (laughs) a a bowl of like <laughs> half a kilo of um yeah raw cheese <laughs> and she was just really? like of course of course so yeah i think eastern europe can be pretty intense in for vegetarians and vegans i wanted to ask how, what are some of the links you see between socialist politics and veganism definitely going back to that doco uh just the way that animals are treated before they end up on your shelf like Woolworths, whatever, um, as meat. And I think that that's a process not isolated purely to food or meat, whatever. Everything under capitalism is done for profit. Um, it's a central motivating like factor for you know the ruling class capitalist businesses to operate. And you're seeing that with you know the way animals are treated. Larger factories have been happening, um, animals being pumped with growth hormones, artificial diets, antibiotics, you know, conveyor belts, all that kind of thing. It's um, really horrible, but not only horrible for the animals in those situations, but also the workers as well. Like when I was at the Red Cross working with asylum seekers, a lot of the people that I worked with, the only jobs I could get was, you know, getting underpaid uh, jobs where they're getting ripped off and being at risk of serious injuries. Um, and so I think, yeah, the link definitely is between capitalists finding any kind of which way to cut corners to make profit as much as possible. And unfortunately for animals, it means, um, you know, being locked in these tiny little cages and treated absolutely horribly. And, um, as a socialist and a capitalist, I think that we want to look at the way that everything's produced in society and make it better for everybody. Uh, and that includes, you know, the animals that um, even if you're being a vegetarian, like the way that dairy and egg and everything is um, produced and made on our shelves as well. Yeah. And, I mean, something that's always re- really resonated with me and a lot of the presenters on this show is, is kind of what we call is um, consistent anti-oppression. So if you're against oppression, you know, on the basis of race or class or 
gender or sexuality, then that can also, that should also extend to species and understanding the multitude of ways in which non-human animals are traded under a capitalist system or, you know, even non-capitalist systems, but just, you know, animals have rights and that that should be respected. Yeah, and you're seeing just like, I think companies jumping on board with the whole plant-based marketing as well and just finding out new ways to you know, jump into that. It's an ever-expanding market. Um, and companies who, you know, produce meat, whatever, are just jumping on board as well, seeing it's another avenue to make profit. Yeah, and the thing that often drives me up the wall about some of, of the plant-based stuff is is just the incredible amounts of, like, plastic that those foodstuffs are, are wrapped in. And so there's not really a thought. If you're just thinking about veganism as a diet rather than, like, as a you know politics or a principle then then sure you know it's fantastic that you have like vegan kit kats and stuff like that but i mean we're we're talking about chocolate that's sourced from like child slavery and so forth so yeah if you try and just take out one element and of the problem um and that being that the product whether or not the product is plant-based or not then you're actually not dealing with the whole systems um, surrounding it. So the deeply exploitative, as you said, um, practices in the meat industry, but that also goes into the ways in which our fruit and vegetables are produced as well. So the idea that you can have some kind of like cruelty-free food under capitalism, I think, um, is a fundamental misunderstanding of of production. And just one of the other things, I guess, as well, like I don't think that being a political vegan is the be all and end all as well you need to look at that whole system side of things like yeah. if everyone switched to being a vegan it still wouldn't change like the you know dynamics of the one percent ruling everything and exploiting everybody like you really need to be politically active and you know much much greater ways as well than yeah. just um what you're ingesting yeah exactly yeah um, that sort of leads really nicely into my next question. So one of the organisations you're involved with is uh, the Victorian Socialists. So can you tell us a little bit about Vic Socialists and who they are and what they do? Sure. Um, I've got a spill down that, you know, I've been giving for like the last year or whatever. But one of the things I like to start with is that we're all activists. We're not career politicians. And... Um, I think that's a good starting place. We're not in here to make a name for ourselves. We're not here to get, you know, nice connections with businesses, look after ourselves after retirement or get, you know, nice retirement packages or anything like that. Um, Our focus is really on changing the world. And, you know, people are ground down um, with capitalism. You're told that there aren't any, like, solutions out there. People are just treated as bystanders basically while politicians and you know corporations make all the decisions in society and so one of the things that we do as victorian socialists is go out there and have the discussions with people try and motivate them and get them politically involved um and active and see that you know ordinary people do have the power to change the world as well so we're very much grassroots uh, organization political party Um, we don't have any big donations coming in with just our members and you know donors that um or ordinary people who put aside money to get our campaigns happening. Um, and parliament is just, you know, one avenue to bring about change. And under capitalism, it's a very limited change that you can do, I think, uh, in the parliament. But there are some rewarding things you can get out of it. You know, some of the things that we campaign for is a freeze on five-year freeze on rent and mortgage increases, help with the cost of living, putting utilities back into public hands, um, like water, gas, electricity, to make them more affordable again, especially like now we're seeing, you know, the cost of living going up and wages are stagnating. Um, so there are like real reforms that you can win that will better people's lives definitely in the day-to-day. But also I think getting in parliament or having those conversations opens up to people. There's only so much you can do under the current system before you meet roadblocks. And why is that? Who's actually holding the power? And um you know, what you could do to change things. So we've been around for oh, maybe like five, six years now. Um, and it's kind of a big umbrella group of socialists. Welcome anyone who's, you know, willing to get involved and um, 
yeah, campaign. We've run a council state and federal election so far, and now currently uh, at the time of this recording is the Warrandyte by-election, which we're running in as well. Speaking of running elections, you you were a candidate in the last federal election, is that correct? Man, I did federal and state last year, oh. so <laughs> it was a big year 2022. I felt like I was always out there knocking on someone's door. Um, so, yeah, federal was Maribyrnong, and that was uh, me and Bill Shorten, yeah. safe Labor seat, and state was Essendon, which was um, the Labor housing minister, Danny Pearson, that I went up against. And, um, yeah, even though there were safe Labor seats, uh, it was still really rewarding going out there. Like, no illusion I was going to, you know, topple Bill Shorten. Um, but you people are... always brave. <laughs> <laughs> True. True. I had some great interactions with them as well that are online yeah. somewhere. But, um... I remember seeing on your social media that you got into it with him at a train station, yeah? I was actually at a polling booth, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. during, yeah, during pre-poll. Um, but that was just, yeah, also at a cafe near a train station and a few other places. But... Um, yeah, it was just, it's good to put these people on the spot, I guess, when you get the opportunity to. And I was actually encouraged by some of the people in line voting when they saw Bill Shorten, because I'd just given them a bit of a spill. And they were like, you should have a go at him for the asylum seeker, you know, policies of the way the Labour Party treats refugees. And I took that as a cue and um, paid off pretty well. Like he just kind of stumbled over himself and had nothing to defend himself apart from like we're saving people turning back the boats and saving people, which is absolute bullshit. But yeah, um, it was really rewarding, I think, both the federal and state elections running in them. Door knocking in safe labour seats, you get people who are like, people have never knocked on my door in the entire, you know, 20, 30 years. Uh, they're just taken for granted um, in these areas. And so being able to like talk to them about issues that they're concerned about, um, it's just, yeah, really great and eye-opening. And I think a lot of people get written off, like, you know, the majority of Australians are just dumb and homophobic or racist or whatever. But, you know, sometimes I knock on someone's door and you and I'm announcing I'm a candidate and people are like, fuck off, I hate all politicians. And I'm like, hey, I do too. That's why I'm running in this. Like, <laughs> I don't think these guys are, you know, getting into parliament for your interests at all, but we're different. Um, and some of the things that separate us are, you know, taking the skilled average worker's wage. It's like these guys to get two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars when they're in parliament, and mm. we're promising to only take like a nurse's wage of like ninety k and put the rest back into campaigning. And even just that argument like opens people up to, you know, there are changes you can make, and these guys aren't the same as your typical Labor and Liberal candidates out there. That kind of makes me laugh because I'm a staff member at the University of Melbourne and, you know, politicians' wages actually seem remarkably, what's the word, reasonable compared to the wages of our Vice-Chancellor. So I'm not sure if you've seen Maureen Faruqi's um, fantastic intervention into the Senate estimates hearing uh, where she absolutely rips uh, one of the Vice-Chancellors about Vice-Chancellor remuneration. So the Vice-Chancellor of Melbourne University earns more than the President of the United States, the Prime Minister of Australia and someone else combined, like yeah. <laughs> combined, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, he's on like a salary of I think $1.5 million a year. It's actually bonkers and when we're going through, we're about to go on strike next week myself at the university and management salaries is one of the issues when 80 70 to 80 percent of the staff at the university of melbourne are on fixed term or casual contracts so yeah it's pretty outrageous that that's what <laughs> university is spending their money on awesome good luck with a strike and yeah yeah hear more about you. it i'm excited the longest i've ever been on strike before was one day at rmit so a whole week um it's pretty pretty exciting nice. um at this stage, we're going to throw over to our first tune. So do you want to introduce uh, the first song that you've uh, chosen and, and give us a bit of background on why you chose it? Sure. So this first group is uh, an independent duo from London, Bob Villain. It's like Bob Dylan, but with a V. Yeah. Um, and they kind of mix punk and hip-hop music together. This track is from their latest album, that came out last year, 2022. Um, the album's called Bob Villain Presents the Price of Life. And the track's called Health is Wealth. It 
touches a lot on well health as well how healthy food is kind of out of out priced for ordinary working class people and um you know the cheaper option is fast food but who's making profit from that and what kind of alternatives there are and there's a cool line there about like you know if you stay healthy then you can run away from the cops as well so <laughs> the state need not kill those that are killing themselves don't make it an easy job for them the killing of kids with two pound chicken and chips is a tactic of war waged on the poor can't save wages on slave wages and you don't think fresh fruit with your face on the floor nah you need money for the kids rent and light plus food in the fridge but that last box can be the hardest tick cause scraps will suffice but they might make you sick as a child i used to chow take out 24 hours later skin breakout felt so heavy with it sitting in my belly dessert was a sugar coated candy jelly fam that's pig meat mashing up the kidney make sure no government has to kill me i was killing myself till i realized Danger, brain, heart, liver, and lungs can hit failure. Now season, darling, veg your fresh herbs. Cut caffeine because it messed with nerves. Plenty lentils and chickpea curry. 20 minute meal for a man in a hurry. That's real fast food that won't break the bank. With enough nutrients to fill the tank. Drink water for the body's natural power. But water from taps can taste sour. Food deserts are designed to starve us. No fresh produce, but we got Starbucks. Calories packed in treats to enlarge us. May not see the effects, but the heart does. Can't breathe, can't sleep, can't run. Casamorphin reeks havoc on the lungs just like fizzy reeks havoc on the gums and my old man said diabetes ain't fun ginger root is good for the youths blend it up and share a fresh juice burn sage cleanse the room body is a temple don't let it be a tomb the food you choose to consume can damage processed meats intestines can't manage cattle farming still killing off the planet and it tells us every day that it can't stand it earth getting hotter while the sea levels rise all because you want burger with those fries all because you want milkshake with the meal then to combat diarrhea you take pills what's the deal Stay active, stay strong, cause the revolution is real Never know when a man might have to dash And a pig can't kill what a pig can't catch It's more than just eating right, it's survival Rasta man tell the youth eat idle Daily exercise for share is vital Whether you short walk, run or take cycle Meditate to live life and love it Plus stress increases, acid in stomachs Read and chill to keep the mental covered And when you find struggle, try rise above it I find peace in the books on the shelf Food on the stove while it cooks, I can smell It's gonna be good by the looks, I can tell when it won't put my body through hell well well i want strength like phelps good practices and discipline helps not for the six pack i do it for myself because it's true what they say your health is wealth be healthy be strong right gift to yourself and a gift to your environment continue to be that beautiful gift share that gift in your food and all your gastronomic masters gas is a toxic fossil fuel yet gas exploration by sonic explosion is planned for the otway basin Seismic blasting kills plankton and deafens whales, disrupting their migration. This blasting is opposed by coastal communities from Geelong to Apollo Bay and Warrnambool who strive to protect the ocean ecosystems. Bring Whale Song into Nam City, Friday the 15th of September at Queen's Bridge near Flinders Street at 4.30pm and onto the State Library for 5.30pm. Rally for Whale Song Not Gas is hosted by Extinction Rebellion, a 3CR supporter. Twenty Years on the Inside is an iconic new podcast series that gives voice to the experience of First Nations people in the Victorian prison system. Twenty Years on the Inside, I'm Vicky Roach. And I'm Kutcher Edwards. This series reflects on 20 years of listening to our mobs on the inside as part of the Beyond the Bars prison broadcasts. 20 Years on the Inside is essential listening for anyone looking to educate themselves about the realities of life on the inside and the need to end Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander incarceration. A lot of the boys mentioned about being in jail. What you do really isn't who you are. You know, it's how you love your family, it's how you care about your cousins, and it's how you care about your people. That's what, that's what this is about for me. Catch the podcast via the 3CR website or on your favourite podcast app.
All right, that was Bob Villain, um, and we're back here today with uh, Daniel Dadich uh, talking about socialist activism. So can you tell me more about the Warrandyte by-election? Um, who's the Victorian socialist candidate? What kind of campaigning are you doing? And what sort of issues are people raising when you're canvassing? Sure. So Warrandyte's like a safe liberal seat. Um, it's been in the Liberal Party for decades and um, just recently, the Liberal Party candidate just stepped down, retired from politics, and there was some kind of rumours going around that it was to do with more redeeming, and this guy was like far further right and uh, wasn't happy with how the Liberal Party were treating Nazi sympathisers, so he decided to step down from politics, and which has triggered this by-election. The Labour Party have said that they're not going to run, um, which is a bit of a shame for Labour Party supporters in the area i guess but um yeah they're just like it's a safe liberal seat they haven't really said why they just said they're going to concentrate their money elsewhere basically um which is just i think quite atrocious and just leaving the space open for the liberal party to walk in there uh and get the seat unopposed even if you know it's like a pretty much guaranteed to safe liberal seat but like at least being able to represent the constituents in the area give them an opportunity to vote for someone who isn't, you know, in the right wing like that. Um, yeah, just kind of just abandoned the area, which is, uh, I think, a bit disgraceful. So we're running there as well. Um, the Liberal Party candidate who is up um, is like a youth pastor or a previous youth pastor, Nicole Werner, who um, joined the Liberal Party on, like, concerns about lockdown so she's like real anti-lockdown age dan andrews had the kind of let covid rip um take on the uh, virus the last few years and so yeah i think it's really problematic to leave the space open for someone like that to be able to spew their views but um some of the other candidates in the area the independents are also like far right not not the uh most sane of people out there um we're running colleen who's um a lawyer and she's um been involved in like social politics for, for ages and ages but she's also as a lawyer uh, been representing people who um were like victims of you know uh dodgy workplace like asbestos and other things like that so representing them um in cases so she's also obviously been involved in um you know anti-homophobic um, like campaigns and supporting refugees uh, against like climate change and um, definitely union rights and things like that. So we've been at the campaigning for the last like month or so. Um, I've done just like a door knock or two uh, around the area. We're in the middle of pre-poll at the time of this recording and the election's coming up in like three or four days' time. So I'll be doing a shift on Saturday as well for the day during the um, polling. But some of the issues that people have been raising with us, obviously, is there's a concern about the Labour Party not running and giving it like a free kick for the Liberals getting in. Mm. But the cost of living stuff's been like a big one as well. Um, I think everyone's really feeling the crunch with, um, as, as mentioned before, I think, like wages are stagnant. The... You know, cost of living is just like going through the roof, you know, electricity, gas, utility bills have gone up um, and none of the politicians are really dealing with this issue at all. So some of the things that we're campaigning on, like I mentioned before, you know, rent freezes and things like that are really like hitting home yeah. with people. Um, so, yeah, it's been a interesting campaign for us because usually we concentrate on the north and the west. This is the first time going out east. So it's a bit of a let's see how we go in the area. But, you know, we've met some good people out there and um, it's been, I think, worthwhile at least getting our name out there. And one of the other arguments we've been making with people is, like, even the Greens, uh, they're running. Um, if you vote for us and we get a good showing, it's kind of a better sign for people because we're a newer group. Victorian socialists will get much more publicity than just the Greens getting like the same amount of votes as us. So it just shows and a, more publicity around there being like a left-wing voice in the area who aren't just happy with the Liberal Party like, waiting in um, and spewing the, you know, filth politics. Yeah, I, I didn't know that the Labor Party weren't running a candidate. That's 
pretty appalling. Just, yeah. I mean, even if you don't expect to win, you don't want to spend any money, at least give somebody, somebody to vote for. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. I don't yeah. Know. Um, all right. So, again, that segues really nicely into the next sort of um, thing I wanted to talk to you about in terms of, of the candidate that, that's running in Warren Dyke for the Liberal Party. Um, let's talk about the rise of the far right globally in and in Australia. Um, what do you think the political landscape was like before the pandemic and how do you think the pandemic has affected this? Yeah, I think before the pandemic, it wasn't, you know, I mean, like it was bad after the pandemic. It was bad during the pandemic, but it wasn't all great before the pandemic either. No, <laughs> not pretending, but I mean, it does seem to have marked, um, yeah. And just, you know, I, I was on, on this um, show myself as a guest actually before I, I became a co-host um, talking about the links between sort of anti-vaxxism and um, you know veganism and, and stuff and just the incredible growth of, of popularity and sort of far-right politics we saw move into people who you know pre-pandemic we might have considered like potential allies and stuff but who just sort of really fell down a rabbit hole of, of far-right conspiracy theorists and sort of eugenicist politics around health and so forth. So, yeah, that's kind of why I've used that as a particular marker, not because I think that somehow we were living in sort of an, a magical anti-fascist Australia pre, pre-pandemic. Yeah, for sure. And, like, that whole wellbeing thing was just such a trip as well. Um, you know, like, people... I think that the COVID really just split that community, I guess, uh, in half with some people like, you know, embracing the need for a vaccine and being safe in lockdown and then other people just going the other way with it completely. And I don't know, like some of it I just think was just complete, um, like lying to themselves in terms of their own business interests, being like, oh, I'm well-being, you know, I'll invest in my whatever, whatever it is, diet or medications or alternative medicines or whatever. And um, they just went full on with it and, yeah, opened themselves up, I think, to, as you were saying, like the far right, people in lockdown, watching the YouTube videos. Trump had already gone out there before, uh, you know, lockdown even happened and had opened up globally, I think, that um, real, like, view of the far right being more mainstream and more acceptable, you know, with the rise of Modi in India and Bolsonaro and Brazil as well. Um, and it just made it just a lot more accessible during lockdown. But yeah, it was disturbing to see like just how people who were, yeah, as you were saying, like once could have been considered allies, just went the complete other way and uh, reached these really disturbing conclusions during lockdown about, you know, just letting the virus rip and I can handle it, whatever. Um, which is, yeah. And also, I think it really played on the strength of what we say about like who controls the streets as well, because people on the left were concerned about the virus and, you know, looking out for um, more compromised people. Then we went out there protesting all the time. And so then the far right just had this like the streets all to themselves. They had this huge like platform that they were able to get out there. And even if they were just small numbers, you know, it's like blossomed and um, because there was no, no one there to counter protest them because we were all at home, you know, concerned about uh, the virus. And the COVID. So it was just like, yeah, sorry. Increasing authoritarianism of the state as well during that time. So even if you did want to organise a counter protest, the sort of measures that the left would have been met with from the state in terms of, yeah, like I know that the, the organisers of the Black Lives Matter protest, for example, were individually, some of them were individually targeted and charged, um, even though they ran like literally probably the most COVID safe event <laughs> that's ever been held um, and were really diligent in making sure that they followed all kinds of public health advice and I didn't even go to those rallies because I actually announced to immunocompromised people not to come. And so as a 
you know, respectful thing. I stayed home and watched the live stream, but yeah, to, to see, um, you know, individual, um, Aboriginal organisers targeted by the state like that was, yeah, pretty revolting. Yeah. And I was at those rallies and yeah, as you were saying, they were like super safe. They were like literally counting people into blocks where at the time, um, you know, you weren't allowed to have more than, I can't remember how many people was on the, on, in a group at a time, but they're literally counting out those groups. So people were marching down, you know, Burke and Swanson street in these, in these groups of people and had marshals making sure that people went merging groups and things like that to keep everyone COVID safe. And it's also from what I remember before Delta. And so when the far right were like complaining about, oh, you know, you let the BLM people do it and we can't do it. It's like literally a whole new strain had just come out that was, you know, a lot more deadly and um, they just completely ignored that and, yeah, used that as more ammunition uh, to gain supporters, I think. Yeah. Um, at this stage, you might move into your second tune. So what is your second song that you uh, wanted to share with us today? Cool. The second one is uh, a group called Power Struggle from San Francisco. The rapper Nomi is actually from the Philippines, um, but lives in San Francisco. And they've released like, I don't know, maybe like four or five different projects. Each one he teams up with like different producers from beat rock music, uh, which is their music label. And um, this particular track is from again, an album from last year, 2002, called Aspirations. And um, I like this track. It's probably my favorite one off this EP album um, because there's a few different, like, nice little points that Nomi makes about it's not enough just to analyze the world, you need to take action as well. That good old quote uh, that we've had many times before. It's merely interpret the world. The point, however, is to change it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Um Change from within, he talks about that being like, you know, yeah, it's not really, uh, you have to get out there and do things. And also there's a nice couple of lines about representation as well, saying um, something along the lines of, you know, more Filipinos in power doesn't actually mean anything for ordinary people. It just means there's going to be more corrupt Filipinos out there. So a nice kind of line about ID poll. Uh, it's not, you know, about who represents you being the same, you know, colour of your skin or background or whatever. It's about who's making the money. About the life I used to lead, others find it, find it, spend their time searching for the key that opens doors or ignites a mighty engine. Takes them away from their problems and their tension. Listen, I love to analyze the world too, but unless you take an action, your ideas stand nude. Crude as the oil that boils beneath the earth, it hurts to put in work and not reap what you deserve. Words I manifest every time I grab the mic. Lyrics that I write, a reflection of the life. The masses, the classes, the rough foreign axes, division of man, like bulletproof glass. In the ghetto, the manifesto is often written by the wisdom of the women that survived the damn system. Contradiction higher, like water on a fire. Desire for something different, my aim to inspire. I don't even dream, I just try to stay awake. There is fire on the lake, and my eyes are opaque. Everything I've seen, part of a bigger scheme. The hammer swings to bang it into shape. I don't even dream, I just try to stay awake. There is fire on the lake, and my eyes are opaque. Everything I've seen, part of a bigger scheme. The hammer swings. To bang it into shape Malcolm was a criminal converted to a king Fidel came from money but a socialist within Harriet a slave who escaped the plantation Went back to free a people, that's no exaggeration Once upon a time spit a rhyme about the land In my hand held a sword but the ancestor dance Point of this reflection is to understand perception Truly change your world, break away from the present Style and structure, revolution, motherfucker Change from within is an illusion for a sucker Ain't the type of brother to be divisive or supreme but them killers up in Washington be quoting Martin's dream Revolution will be won when you break the ceiling More Filipinos in power means more Filipinos stealing Dealing with the backlash like bombers over Baghdad Aspire to be high, rather roll with the ragtags I don't even dream, I 
just try to stay awake There is fire on the lake and my eyes are opaque Everything I've seen, part of a bigger scheme The hammer swings to bang it into shape I don't even dream, I just try to stay awake There is fire on the lake and my eyes are opaque Everything I've seen, part of a bigger scheme The hammer swings to bang it into shape Urgent as a surgeon when there's murder in the urban City that I live in still got killings and it's hurting People that are working, attending Sunday sermon Magic Mike is on while the cigarettes keep burning Johnny Walker Black in a stack of playing cards Tell the Filipino kids stay off the boulevard Scars of migration can devastate a nation Label exportation and family separation Asians have the jungle force to flee and leave the trouble Move to America, work a triple or a double Cuddle up the phones when it's time to call home Like DJ Fawns and his wife when we're practicing our songs Artists analyzing errors of existence Never criticize without offering a vision Listen to the people as I type past the margin In the belly of the beast we are often the ones starving I don't even dream, I just try to stay awake There is fire on the lake and my eyes are opaque Everything I've seen, part of a bigger scheme The hammer swings to bang it into shape I don't even dream, I just try to stay awake There is fire on the lake and my eyes are opaque Everything I've seen, part of a bigger scheme The hammer swings to Bang it into shape. This album's dedicated to everybody we lost in 2020. And to everybody that survived. And to everybody that's mourning. And to everybody that continues to fight. Sorry. Topping up every now and then. More tea, Auntie. Thanks, Pop. Including your COVID protection. If you're an adult and it's been six months since you caught COVID or had a COVID jab, you can now top up with a free COVID 19 booster. It helps keep you and your mob protected from serious illness from COVID 19. So talk to your doctor or health worker about a free COVID 19 booster or visit health.gov.au forward slash top up to find out more. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. A 3CR supporter. Australia's energy market is broken. Right, but Copower gives you better energy? Nope, no retailer can control where the electrons they buy off the grid come from. But as a Copower member, you can vote on where 100% of revenue goes. So instead of corporate profit, your energy bill builds the world you want to be a part of. That's cool. Learn more about the solidarity economy and Copower today and take the power back. Victorian energy fact sheets and basic plan information documents are available at cooperativepower.org.au. For clear advice on the right plan for you, contact us on 03 9068 6036. A 3CR supporter. All right. So that was Power Struggle. I didn't get the name of the song. Did you mention it? The Hammer. The Hammer. Okay. Yeah. That was Power Struggle with The Hammer. Um, all right. So you're also involved with the campaign against racism and fascism. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about them? Sure. Um, so, CAF, we kind of started up, I say we, I'm like, I haven't been organizing with them i just got all of their rallies and everything like that i'm a supporter more than being involved like that but um it was the very first reclaim australia rally that really just like alarmed everyone this came out of nowhere and um i happened to be around the city at the time and went down there and joined the counter protest um at fed square for that it's what like half what's up what year was that Mate, what year was that? <laughs> but sorry, I didn't mean to stump you with that question. <laughs> was it 2007? No. 2015? Okay. I think so, yeah. All right, let's go with 2015. So it was 2015, the Reclaim Australia rally? Yep. And, yeah, so out of that, um, CAF was created just to respond to this like rising threat of the far right, which, um, yeah, like there was a financial crisis that happened 2007, 2008. We kind of knew that it, there was the far right was growing in different ways, but to see it on the streets of Melbourne was really alarming to a lot of us. Um, so then CAF responded to that. Originally, it was specifically about countering the far right, um, who went through a whole different you know, a bunch of splits. They had Reclaim, 
which were really marketed as like it's just ordinary mums and dads and then you know the footage of the nazis with the swastika tattoo on his neck and the ss tattoo under his eye and all of that kind of pushed against that and i remember being at fed square and like a whole bunch of like uh i hate to say it but like sikhs rocked up who had been there because they heard it was like an anti-muslim protest and then they saw there was a bunch of nazis there and then the counter rally and they decided not to get involved so there were groups like that who at the start didn't really know um what the rally was about and then after time went on you know the layers kind of stripped away and we got the upf united patriots front who were you know kind of denying half denying they were nazis and then it turned out they're all nazis and then that splintered and now at the moment we've got the national socialist network who are out there um still trying to organize still in small numbers but you know they're doing their best to grow and um have been more doing the stunt actions and where previously the other formations of the far right had denied their Nazi links. These guys are just like full on. Yep. We're Nazis proud of it. Um, so you're targeting a very specific audience uh, here, but yeah. um, you know, it kind of like proved us right. Really like all of the people who were involved in all of these uh, anti-fascist demos for like the last, you know, eight years or whatever it's been who were saying that, no, these guys are Nazis and people were being like, oh, you're just overusing that word, you know, they're not actually Nazis in Melbourne, you guys are full of shit, whatever. And it turns out, yeah, they were there all along. You can trace these same people back to the first rallies and now they're just outright with it. So CAF has the been... the same people that were involved with the um, rally, the, oh, what's, I can't even remember what it was called, but the turf rally, for example, that happened in melbourne earlier this year 100% yeah that's the one yeah. um and i think it's interesting like how they've moved previously from being you know extremely anti-islam mm. to now just jumping on the anti-trans um campaigns as like their way in and i think you know Horrible, horrible incident that happened in New Zealand with that um, piece of shit who went into the mosque and killed mm -hmm. um, all these innocent people who had links to the far-right Nazis in Melbourne. Yeah. Like, he had, you know, previously messaged them and they're trying to convince him to join. And um, he called Blair Cotterill, I think, his emperor and said he was admiring them from afar. After that, it was a bit of a turning point and no longer, like anti-islam um politics was kind of at the forefront because it'd been so like uh disgraceful what had happened and horrifying that everyone distanced themselves or the majority of people distanced themselves from that and so now these guys are jumping on the anti-trans bandwagon as their way in anti-trans politics is unfortunately becoming more mainstream it was even in the news a couple of days ago about you know people trying to get exemptions for women's lesbian rallies and not allowing trans people in um mm -hmm. And so that's their kind of in. So they just rocked up at this rally. They had uh, were welcomed in by the organisers and who then denied that they were there. But, you know, we saw them, like, all hugging and stuff from behind the police lines that were keeping us separated. Police were basically, like, protecting them and allowing them, facilitated their, you know, walking up onto the steps of parliament and doing the Nazi salute and... Um, yeah, just gave them this like real like media opportunity to spread their name and get out there. Um, but yeah, absolutely disgraceful. And they've they've jumped on board with a bunch of anti-trans things. There was one here um, near my house um, at one of the parks in Maribyrnong, where they rocked up at like an anti-trans like school holiday event. Sorry, they rocked oh. up and did an anti-trans demo at a school holiday event. Yeah, it was um, like a drag queen story time or something. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, speaking of local staff, um, I've seen that CAF is currently part of the campaign around the gym in Sunshine, which is a far-right organising hub. Can you tell us a bit more about the gym and the counter rallies? Sure. So first I'll just start by saying, I guess, CAF, our strategy, or their strategy, our strategy, is to go out there and confront the Nazis. It's not just, you know, doing campaigns 
in another part of Melbourne or doing vigils or something like that, we think that you need to actually suffocate the air out of these groups and not let them grow. And that's by showing that there's a sizable counter for what they're trying to pedal. Mm. Um, so if they're out there, you know, this gym in particular, they're out there trying to organize events there um, and attract people in. The latest one that they held was like a white power lifting competition, like a gym lifting competition. Um, and the way that they do it is, you know, come lift weights with us. It's like a cool event and then, you know, learn about us, whatever. And so we want to have rallies outside of these events to prevent them from attracting new people in. So people might rock up and be like, yeah, fucking the Nazis. I mean, it's in their name really. So I don't know what kind of people are going to rock up to these events, but at least showing people in the community as well that we're not accepting these points of view. And um, there are a lot of young people, I think, especially out of COVID, like we're saying before, who have been finding their way down these rabbit holes during, you know, COVID lockdowns that um, are finding these politics more acceptable. And at least like keeping them away from these rallies, keeping these groups from growing is uh, a good strategy to have. So it came out that this boxing gym in Sunshine West Legacy Boxing was um, holding these far-right events, attracting Nazis. They weren't publicizing it as on their gym page as like, you know, things that they were doing. But um, it was just an ordinary day-to-day boxing gym. But uh, on weekends and certain times they were hosting these events and attracting the far-right in. Um, thankfully, they posted posters, uh, whatever, when people are able to identify the gym from the pictures on Facebook and realize what it was. And so we've had two rallies now in Sunshine. The first one was more of a awareness um, campaign, which was really good. We just went through the main street of Sunshine. We started at the train station. Heaps of locals came up. I work in Sunshine as well, so it was cool um, to see like that area. Uh, being like mobilized and you know active around this like concerning gym um, that was just around the corner from from Sunshine and Sunshine West, um, and then the second rally was at the same time as their white powerlifting event where we actually marched to the gym, um, and you know the cops kept us away. It was all. Uh, you know, safe in terms of like there was no punch on or anything like that, but um, at least we're out there showing them that, you know, we're not afraid of them and um, putting them on notice when know where they are, where they are. And that pressure is also like built up since the first rally where it gave publicity to the fact that there was this gym there. And then like the boxing commission in Melbourne or Australia, like um, took away their licensing. So now no one from that gym is allowed to compete. I need the name of that gym. So they've lost like a whole bunch of legitimacy behind that. And I think some sporting brands like Sting have also come out and said that they don't support, um, you know, Nazis and that this kind of sport is supposed to be about, you know, everyone being able to get together and <clears throat> punch each other in the face. Everyone be able to get together and, um, you know, train together no matter where you're from. Do you have an, any idea about the impact that the rally had on their planned event? Like, were they able to still go ahead? Did people get there before the counter-protests? Um, for this particular one, I'm not too sure. that There hasn't been a whole bunch of media from their side that I've seen about it, apart from, like, this hilarious thing about Blue Cotterill, like, trying to lift weights and Tory's peck muscle clean off his chest. Like, it was... <laughs> trying to show off how much of a fucking white power superior he was. And now there's like some guy fund me on like some religious website to try and get him up and running again. I don't know, whatever. But apart from that kind of publicity, there hasn't been much out there. No one came out from the gym to counter protest us. There was some drone footage, I think, or a helicopter footage showing like, you know, maybe like five, six people there um, outside at a barbecue that they were holding at the same time. So I'd like to say it was a defeat for them in terms of like they weren't even allowed out of their own place. We did hear that they had to sleep the night. Well, not had to. They decided to sleep the night the day beforehand because they were concerned about us coming to the gym, uh, which might have been why Blair got, you know, injured, sleeping on the gym floor the night before over a weightlifting competition. And I think they had to sleep the night the next night over again because they were concerned about us being out there so as long as we're disrupting their activities preventing people from coming in and out 
and that's all good. But yeah, about the exact numbers, I'm not sure. All right, we're nearly out of time. So if people are interested in getting involved in um, either Victorian Socialists or the Campaign Against Racism and Fascism or both, um, how would they go about doing so? So Victorian Socialists got a really good presence uh, online. We've got this kick-ass website, victoriansocialists.org.au, and um, there's a whole bunch of info in there, but also how to get involved in volunteering with us. If you want to see some of the things we get up to, got an Instagram page, Vic, B-I-C underscore socialists. Um, that's www.instagram.com slash Vic underscore socialists. Uh, <laughs> In case um, anyone doesn't know how to find some Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> hey, never know, never know. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff gets posted on there about the campaigns we're part of and some you know information about stats and inequality and things to get involved in, which is cool. Um, also on TikTok. <laughs> also on TikTok, yeah. I personally am not on TikTok, but I, um, I had a great volunteer who was <laughs> yeah. looking after my TikTok during the campaigns last year. Um, but yeah, and we've also got uh, for CAF, Campaign Against Racism and Fascism, website calf.melbourne, and the Instagram is the same, calf.melbourne. Um, where, yeah, we'll be publicizing events such as the next rally against the uh, legacy boxing Nazi gym in Sunshine West, um, which is happening on 23rd of September at 2 p.m. We meet at the IGA in Sunshine West, and then there's, I think it's a 20-minute march or walk rally to the gym where we'll have the rally out the front and um, then walk back to the IGA where there's actual parking. Fantastic. All right. So I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, it's been a really informative and motivational discussion today. Um, and we'll share the links on the show website for the organisations that we've talked about. Um, thanks also to you listeners. If you have any feedback on the show, please feel free to email us at freedomofspecies at gmail.com. Um, Freedom of Species is on 3CR every Sunday from 1 to 2 p.m. Um, you can tune in on 855am in Melbourne and we're also streamed live via the 3CR website and all previous podcasts are available um, on the 3CR website as well, as well as Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, so we're going to go out with your last song. So if you want to tell us the name and... Yeah, why you chose this last song to, to kick us off. Cool. This guy's uh, really, really underground. Um, his name's Craig Boy Mental, and the song is IDGAF, I Don't Give a Fuck. Uh, it's from his album Autistic Legend 2, which just came out like two weeks ago or three weeks ago, something like that. So he's a, an autistic rapper from Ireland. Um, not only does he rap, but he produces all of his own songs as well. And um, this is a nice little song where he discusses very briefly about releasing a really nice, cool uh, pro-trans song back in 2021 and some of the backlash that he had um, releasing it. And it also gives a nice perspective about um, how the world sort of perceives autistic people and how they're seen and treated as well. All out of whack Mad cause I said I got some friends that are trans Mad cause they're stuck in a world that expands While they're stuck in the past and can't understand I ain't no inspiration porn for none of you pricks If you put me on a pedestal then pay me a bitch Man they treat autistic adults like we still some kids Infantilize our minds like we just can't think That's why I don't give a fuck I just do it but I 
I'll never be rated Cause you pricks too ableist You try to make heroes of them being so basic And now you gotta sit there watching none of them make it While I travel the world Rocking them stages Yeah I had a lot of styles I've been through phases Never in the blogs or ever in the playlists They try to be cool, cool off, end up baseless I try to be myself, of which I'm the greatest That's why I don't give a fuck, I just do it for the sun I get em. I don't give a fuck, I just do it for the sun I get em. I don't give a fuck, I just do it for the sun I get em. but when I smoke a motherfucker with a gun So I don't give a fuck, I just do it for the sun I get em. I don't give a fuck, I just do it for the sun I get em. I don't give a fuck You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.